Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Welcome everyone to Geraldine Tegelov Live, and yes, I'm Geraldine, and I would have to say it is so great to be back after a little bit of a break, but I have to tell you why. It's very important, you see, we've had the joyful experience of welcoming twins into the family. Our son and daughter-in-law now have a beautiful little girl and a very handsome little boy, and I'm not prejudiced at all, of course, <laughs> to love and to guide. And, and, you know, one baby makes life busy, doesn't it? Well, two, oh, that takes busy to a whole new level. But I've had the fantastic task of helping to take care of them. But I must admit it's been a bit of a, you know, a a thing flying to Sydney, you know, from Sydney to Melbourne and back and forth on a weekly basis. But, oh, they are just so beautiful. But they're now four months old and mum and dad have a nanny so I could get back to doing more of what I love. And for my first show back, I have a fabulous guest to introduce to you. Now, most listeners will know that I don't have many guests on my show, but when I do, you can be assured that this person has a message that will be of uh, great benefit to you and your life. And my guest today, who is Bill Bennett, uh, is certainly no exception when it comes to having a fabulous story and an even more fabulous outcome to share with us. So I don't want to waste one more minute of our time today because I know Bill has so much to share with us. So welcome, Bill. Thank you, Geraldine. And thank you for that introduction. That's wonderful. Now, where are you today, Bill? I'm never sure where I'm going to find you. <laughs> I'm never sure where I'm, I'm likely to find myself either, Charlie. Um, this, last, this last period since the film has been released has been an absolute whirlwind. Uh, today I'm in Melbourne. Tomorrow I'm back in Sydney. Um, we've got a screening tonight in Melbourne at, um, in South Yarra. And then back on a plane. Oh, my goodness. See, everybody, he's a, a busy boy, this this man. Yeah. Now, as you've kind of, you know, Bill has hinted, he's a film director, a producer and a writer and a whole heap more. But I think I'd like to hand over to uh, my guest. And, Bill, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little about you and what you do. <laughs> oh, you can just start slowly. I've got heaps more to talk about. <laughs> you, um, you ask the hardest questions first, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I guess as you say, I'm all of those things. Um, essentially, 
Essentially, look, I'm a writer and I'm, I'm a storyteller. Um, I actually started off studying medicine at Queensland University, um, but um, segued then into what I really wanted to do, which was write. Uh, I shifted across to a, a, a law degree course, arts law course, in fact, in majoring in journalism. I then joined the ABC and spent 12 years as a journalist with the ABC before then um, before then leaving and starting uh, to work as an independent filmmaker. And since 1982, that's what I've been doing. I've been making movies, um, largely feature films. I've made 16 feature films um, and, and some documentaries as well. But this documentary that you're about to talk about, about intuition, is the first documentary film I've made since, um, I think, about 1986 or so. Um, on this... Uh, my other life <laughs> is uh, um, um, I'm writing a series of novels which Penguin Random House is currently publishing, um, and they are of an allied interest in that um, the books are set in the world of modern-day witchcraft, but they look at the soul they, in a sort of a... Um, a fictional way, they look at they look at the soul's journey, and those books are called Palace of Fires. Fantastic, but w- Bill, can I ask, when do you find time to sleep? <laughs> That's, no, a really question, <laughs> That's a really good question, You know, look, the funny thing is, um, the funny thing is this: that since I have become started to live an intuitive life, I've actually become more productive. And, and it seems, if I can use the term, counterintuitive, you know, because you think that if you follow intuition, then you're following a path that's sort of loose and unformed and a bit airy-fairy and ephemeral and, and so forth. I've not found that to be the case. I've, what I've discovered since adopting an intuitive life is that I now follow decisions that my intuition gives me. And those decisions are all on purpose. So what I direct my attention to ends up happening and ends up being worthwhile. Um, it's a really, really interesting phenomenon. We can talk about that later if you wish. Yeah, and, and I absolutely agree with you, Bill. I think it's a, the only way to go. But um, let's begin um, at the beginning of this m- movie. And everybody, this movie is, as I've uh, stated on my show page, is called... A personal guidance system or PGS and it's all about intuition so Bill I'd love for you to share with the listeners how this all came about I mean I know it's been quite a journey for you and there's been some time between the actual event and the creation of the movie so would you like to help listeners understand the unfoldment of all of this well, how this happened was I was actually working on a movie. I was directing quite a big-budget movie, a thriller in New Orleans, and this goes back to 1999. And I was um, I was leaving New Orleans early one morning to head to the airport to go back to Los Angeles. I was approaching an intersection. There were, it was before dawn. It was dark. There were no cars on the road. And, as, and I had a green light up ahead, and my, I, I went to accelerate to make sure that I got through on the green light. I was running a bit late for my flight, and I heard a voice. And the voice said, slow down. And, of course, I ignored it. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> uh, 
what is this? You know, I haven't had coffee yet. This is crazy. I'm still half asleep. <laughs> and, and so I went to accelerate again. But the voice, the second time around, was more insistent. It said, slow down again a second time, more emphatically. I did slow down. And as I entered the intersection, a massive truck ran a red light on a cross street, hurtled through, missed me only by inches. And if I hadn't slowed down, that truck would have hit me and it would have killed me, I had no doubt. Um, I got, I, I went through the intersection, I pulled up, I was, I was sort of shaking and, you know, the adrenaline had kicked in and so forth. But, but it left me with three questions. What was that voice? Where did that voice come from? And why did that voice save my life? And those three questions then began to haunt me. And I couldn't put it out of my mind. And it's not like, you know, I drove to the airport and said, gee, I've got to make a film about this. That didn't happen. I kind of sat <laughs> on it about four or five years mulling it over and I started to do research. And you see, the thing is, Geraldine, I, I was not a spiritual person. I wasn't a religious person. I came from a very secular household. Both my parents were dentists. They were very evidence-based in their thinking. Uh, all my brothers and sisters had gone into the medical professions. And as I said, I started off doing medicine myself. You know, so I, I came to this with, um, how can I say, with, with, with a totally unformed view, um, and if anything, with the perspective of a former journalist being sceptical and cynical and so forth. Um, and that, I think, I, as it turned out, I think that turned out to be an asset because I was able to look at intuition, which I found to be incredibly complex, and very confusing, but I came to it with a dispassion um, and an objective viewpoint, which I think later on benefited the film. Uh, yes, Bill, and I think sometimes, you know, if we have had a, a religious upbringing or a, a spiritual background, we don't often look at things with a totally open mind to um, to really figure out what on earth is going on. So um, I under and you know I understand that completely, and it's a great way to come at something like this. So you you don't have preconceived ideas about what's supposed to it's supposed to be. Well, that is just you yeah, go on, Bill. Sorry. What I was going to say is that what drove me was curiosity. You know, I wanted those three questions answered, and and because I have because I have the traits of a journalist. I, you know, this curiosity led to research and reading and so forth. And then eventually I came to the conclusion that perhaps I should make a film about this. Mm, absolutely fabulous. I, I am just amazed. And, uh, you know, I can see that there was a little bit of time between the actual happening uh, that event, that that voice that yelled in your ear, and now the movie. So the questions must you must have been mulling over these questions for quite some time. Yeah, I was, Geraldine. And you know, for me to to when I spring into something, I know that it's going to be it's going to require a long term commitment, and so I really have to go through quite a rigorous sort of checks and balances process myself to determine is this worthwhile spending, you know, the next X years of my life on. Yeah. Um, but the image of this truck narrowly missing me, that's the thing that um, kept coming back to me and haunting me. 
Oh, absolutely. Now, Bill, we're about to go to break, so we're going to just hold those thoughts, please, because I've got so much that I'd love to, um, you know, discuss with you after the break. So, if you wouldn't mind having a think about, you know, things that you would love to share with the listeners about this movie. Um, And we'll come back, everybody, straight after the break, and Bill will have so much for you to connect to about intuition. You will absolutely love what he has to share with you. So hang tight, everyone. Don't go away. Best-selling author, musician, and life coach, Geraldine Teglov will return after this short break. You can burn as many calories in 45 minutes of yard work as in 30 minutes of aerobics. Yard work is a total body workout consisting of pushing, pulling, lifting, and carrying. Using a push mower alone can burn 300 to 500 calories in an hour. Raking and bagging with a pooking fork, that's a fork often used in gardening, burns about 330 calories per hour. Cleaning and digging with the dibble, that little hand spade, can burn approximately 400 calories an hour. Stay fit by horb-gorbling. That's just puttering around the yard. To me, a perfect summer day is when the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Looking for a nutrient-dense food that is low in calories and high in vitamins? Look no further than spinach. It is an excellent source of more than 20 different nutrients, including dietary fiber, calcium, and protein. And yet, one cup has only 40 calories. Spinach is known to fight against many cancers, including mouth, throat, prostate, and ovarian. It neutralizes free radicals in the body and thus helps to prevent cancer. Livestrong states that a study of New England women showed less breast cancer cases among those who ate spinach on a regular basis. Serving spinach raw in a salad is excellent or serve it steamed with a little pepper and balsamic vinegar. Spinach is an excellent choice for nutrition without high calories. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back as Geraldine Tegelov continues to guide us through the three R's, the processes of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding a happy and successful life. Here is host and life coach, Dr. Geraldine Tegelov. Yes, you are listening to Geraldine on Geraldine Tegelove Live. And today I'm chatting with the incredibly creative and talented Bill Bennett, the creator of the movie PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. And, you know, this topic, pardon the pun, uh, is very close to my heart, going from a person who always loved to be in control to a person who now sits and waits for guidance before jumping into making things happen, you know, as I once used to try to, has been quite challenging. And But now it just seems so natural. And I, I don't think I could operate any other way. 
Now, has this been the case for you, Bill, now that you've kind of connected to that intuitive power that you have within you? Yeah, look, no, very much so, Geraldine. Um, you, you've got to understand that I work as a producer, director and writer of feature films. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're not talking, you know, small budget films. Some of, some of the films that I've done are 10 $12 million and, and higher um, that have gone through my production company and that I've produced along with my partner and so forth. And so to, to, to work at that level, you know, where you've got working with major movie stars out of Hollywood and stuff like that, you're dealing with agents and, and a very complicated process of, of producing a major motion picture, um, that requires control. It requires absolute rigor and steadfastness and, you know, at, at times, um, <laughs> you know, yes. of course of will, you know, to make, to make movies. And, in fact, with this film, PGS, I tried, when I finally, when I finally decided that I thought that there would, I would try and make a movie about this, I began to employ all of those um, character traits and, and procedures that I'd done for my previous films. You know, the only way that you can get to make a movie independently as a filmmaker is through sheer force of will. It doesn't happen any other way. And I, I tried to apply that to this film, and it just didn't work. And I spent about somewhere between eight and ten years going to film festivals and markets and talking to distributors and financiers and sales agents and all the people that you talk to as an independent film producer trying to get this film up in the way that I had, got, the way that I had successfully got my other films up, and it wasn't working. And... I got to a real point of frustration because I thought I knew in my heart this would be a good film and there would be an audience for it. Um, and in part, I was able to convince some of these distributors and financiers, but none of them would actually write me a check. None of them would actually <laughs> write, we're going to fund you. Um, yeah. And then something, something happened that triggered change. And what happened was I had a dream. I was at the point of giving up, and this is after about 10 years of struggling to get this film made um, and going through various treatments and outlines and scripts and so forth and all of that. And at the point at which I was about to give up, literally I went to bed one night thinking, in the morning I've got to make a decision, am I going to continue with this or am I just going to walk away from it and put it down to a failed experiment? I went to sleep that night and I had a dream, and the dream was clear in its directive. I can see the dream in, in front of my eyes right now. And that dream told me that I had to make the film in an unorthodox way, unconventional way, that I had to throw out all my old paradigms and work in a fresh new way, um, that I had to do it immediately, that I had to cobble whatever resources were at hand. I shouldn't need to, I didn't, um, I couldn't wait for, you know, the kind of budget that I wanted or the crew size that I wanted. I just had to go out and make it. But the thing about it was was this. I woke up out of that dream and I looked across at the bedside clock and it was 4.44 in the morning. And I thought, hmm, that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, though. And, Bill, what, a, what a, an amazing lesson for all of us, you know, that 
we when we try and and really make things happen in a certain way, and if it's not meant to be that way, um, you know, we have to turn around 180 degrees and look in a different direction, as you had to do. But don't you hate those voices sometimes? <laughs> uh, yeah, because they challenge you, and, and they and they try and tug you into into places where you fear to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I was going to say, Jordan, was that when I Googled what does 444 mean, and I, I, and I did that straight away, straight after that dream, what, what I discovered was this, that 444, I think Dorian Virtue was one of the people that, uh, that, I, that I read that you know, at that time, 444 was a powerful angelic number telling me that at that moment, my angels, my archangels, and my spirit guides were with me. They were encouraging me to move forward with my endeavor, that if I, if I used my inner guidance and my intuition, they would protect me and guide me to great success. I, yep. read, I read this straight after having this dream, and that was the turning point for me making the film. And as soon as I read that and as soon as I made the decision to go with that, you know, which is a big, big decision for me because I didn't believe in angels or spirit guides or any of this stuff, mm. but I thought, this is too weird. I've had this dream, and now I'm reading that it's, you know, I woke up at 4.44 and I'm reading this stuff about angels and so forth, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't, believe, I had two choices. I either dismissed it as just a weird kind of woo-woo coincidence and go back to sleep and then forget the movie, or I believe it and then embrace it and, and run with it, um, you know, then, then I would make the film the way that that dream told me to make it. And that's what happened. And then yeah. the film came together really from that point on, the film came together quite effortlessly. Isn't that, that is just the most wonderful, um, not just a story, but just a, a wonderful thing for everyone to hear, Bill, because I think sometimes we do give up, but, you know, when we get these messages, if we don't just push them aside, we can find amazing outcomes. So, Bill, then once you decided to make that movie... So, you know, the cost of a movie is enormous. How on earth did you go about, you know, did you just jump in or did people decide to finance you? Well, you see, pre previously, you see, what happens when you make a movie is that you go out and you raise the money and you put it in a bank account and then as you make the movie, you draw down from those funds um, and you do it according to, you know, strict... Um, budgets and schedules and um, milestones and so forth. What this dream told me was that I had to, I, I couldn't do that. Um, so what happened was that next morning after waking up from that dream, um, I talked to my wife. We decided that we would put our own funds into kicking it off. I booked tickets to India because I knew intuitively that that would be the best place to start. Um, I went out and bought a camera and some sound gear and some lights and so forth. And I just started it myself. And as soon as I started, and this is a really interesting thing, Geraldine, as soon as I started, people came to me and they said, we're really interested in what you're doing. Can we invest? And I ended up raising $1.4 million in private equity isn't also, that amazing? It is extraordinary. Lots of people who basically wanted to see this film get made and trusted me and trusted in, in, 
you know, integrity of our company. Yeah. But uh, 30 investors in total, you know, they're not big investors, no corporate investors, there's no government money or anything like that. It's you know, private individuals who have just believed in what I've been doing. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yes, it's probably too that um, once you, and I think it goes for all of us, once we, we shift our energy around it, it uh, attracts a whole different, um, you know, end result, which is fabulous. So, um, Bill, when you, uh, you know, got to India, did you have names in your head of who you were going to interview or did you, you know, did you have specific people or how did you go about that? <laughs> well, you see, um, short answer is no, Jody. <laughs> what happened yes, is yeah. I had, you know, having made the decision to make the movie and, you know, my wife and I putting our own money on the line, I then did what you do when you go and make a movie, and that is you do, do your research and you try and line up people beforehand. And I've, I've worked in India before um, and been to India before, and so I had some contacts. But, but I got on that plane with no one. I, 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 been able <laughs> I to love it. it. <laughs> and here's what happened. Um, so I get to Bombay, Mumbai, in the yeah. back of a cab, and I'm starting to... I'm starting to get the chills because, you know, here we are, my wife and I, I've got, you know, all this camera equipment and so forth, um, and we're driving into a hotel, and my wife turns to me and she says, you haven't lined up anybody, have you? And I said, no. And she said, well, once we get to the hotel, what are you going to do? And I said, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But, Sounds but, like conversations we have it in at our house, yeah, but go on. <laughs> well, what happened was this. I had been to Mumbai before and I had recalled seeing a, a billboard on the side of the road that advertised the Mumbai or the Bombay Yoga Institute. And I, I remembered seeing the billboard very clearly. You know, even now the, the type of uh, font and the layout of the billboard and everything. So... I, I had my trusty iPad with me and I was on roaming. And so I, I made, from the back of the cab, I Googled Bombay Yoga Institute and up came their web page with a contact number. And so I called them from the back of the cab. And I said, look, I'm a filmmaker from Australia. I'm doing a film on intuition. I was wondering whether I could come and see the director. And they said, yep, sure. So we made an appointment to come the next day. So for the rest of the trip into the hotel, I looked out for that billboard, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> the next day I arrived at the, um, at the Yoga Institute and there was the billboard outside the front, front entrance, right over the front entrance of, of, um, of the Institute. So I went inside. I did a wonderful interview with the director of the Institute. And at the end of the interview I said, what happened to the billboard by the, out by the airport? airport right, right, you know, right Bill. You... I, want, yeah, I want you to hold that thought because oh, we're coming okay. into break. But <laughs> yeah. I want to hear the end of this because it sounds too uh, exciting not to hear the end of this story and the billboard. I mean, how many billboards are out there giving us messages all the time if we really stop and think about it after the break? Best-selling author, musician and life coach Geraldine Tegelove will return after this short break. 
Did you know you can burn as many calories in 45 minutes of yard work as in 30 minutes of aerobics? Yard work is a total body workout consisting of pushing, pulling, lifting, and carrying. Using a push mower alone can burn 300 to 500 calories in an hour. Raking and bagging with a pooking fork, that's a fork often used in gardening, burns about 330 calories per hour. Cleaning and digging with the dibble, that little hand spade, can burn approximately 400 calories an hour. Stay fit by horb-gorbling. That's just puttering around the yard. To me, a perfect summer day is when the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. You've just finished an invigorating workout. You feel refreshed, rejuvenated, and you are ready to seize the day. The question is, should I eat after my exercise? The answer is yes. I tell my clients to eat as soon as possible after they exercise and always eat within an hour of your workout. This window of time is the most beneficial period for your body to receive post-exercise nutrition. Focus on protein and complex carbohydrates to replenish your body. Whole grains and brown rice are good for your complex carbohydrates. For protein, eat skinless chicken breasts, fish, beans, eggs, and protein shakes. Fuel your body within one hour of finishing your workout and keep your energy reserves in tip-top shape. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back as Geraldine Tegelove continues to guide us through the three R's, the processes of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding a happy and successful life. Here is host and life coach, Dr. Geraldine Tegelove. Yes, you are listening to Geraldine on Geraldine Take a Love Live. And if you have just joined us, I'm having a wonderful time chatting with Bill Bennett, the creator of the movie PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. And, you know, our inner guidance or inner oracle is always there for us. Uh, and Bill's movie is all about helping us understand that this is simply a matter of reconnecting and remembering this amazing part of you and working with it on a daily basis, even if it is simply billboards put in front of us. Now, if you've missed the start of today's show and you'd like to listen to all of it and heaps of others, then you can download it for free from iTunes. Just search Geraldine Take a Love Live under podcasts. You can come here to Toginet and listen or download from my show page. And you can also find it on my website at GeraldineTegelove.com. So no excuse. This is um, just a fabulous show today for all of us. There are so many wonderful things to grab hold of that Bill is sharing with us. So, Bill, before the break, you were telling us about the billboard. So let's continue. The billboard was outside the yoga center. Yeah, I, I... The, the billboard that I had seen in my mind's eye that I believed I had recalled having seen before on a previous trip to, to Bombay, to Mumbai, um, by the side of the road leading from the airport, 
Um, that, build, that same billboard was outside the entrance. And so I did the interview with the director of the institute. It was a wonderful, wonderful interview. Uh, and at the end of the interview, I said, what happened to that billboard that you had by, out on the highway road? And she said, we've never had a billboard there. And I said, well, are you sure about that? Because I recall having said it. And she said, no, we've never had a billboard outside of, um, outside of our premises. Uh, the, the only one is there by the entrance. And it came as an absolute shock to me that somehow I had pre-visualized that billboard, that billboard, that signage outside the entrance, and it prompted me to call the Institute and to make that interview with the director. And what happened was this. Um, as we were packing up, she said, well, where are you going next? And I said, I said, look, I've got loose plans to go to Rishikesh. The only reason I was going to go to Rishikesh was because I heard that it was a holy place on the Ganges and, you know, it was perhaps a place where I could maybe meet some people. And she said, well, if you're going there, you really should see His Holiness Puja Swamiji Chidanan Saraswati. <laughs> That's yes. a mouthful. Yep. Uh, he's, he's head of the Paramahitam Ashram in, in Rishikesh. Um, and I went, terrific, okay. So I made arrangements then to go there and to meet him. And really, here, here is, you know, you asked before, uh, Jordan, about how did I line up these people. What happened was exactly what happened with that director of that yoga institute. She put me on to the head of this ashram. He then put me on to other people. Those put, people put me on to other people. I was led and I was guided from person to person to person in the making of the film. I never had a list um, some I've ended up with pretty much kind of like the who's who of intuition in the world with this film, but it was not by design. It was it came absolutely through guidance. Uh, I was led from person to person to person. Each person I did an interview with, they would recommend me to somebody else, and so oftentimes they would call up and say, "Look, you really got to um, you really got to be interviewed by Bill Bennett for this film. It's going to be very important." And that's what happened. It was just astonishing. You know, so I now look at this finished film and I look at all these amazing people in the movie and I think I sort of shake my head and I go, how did that happen? You know, <laughs> I wasn't in control of this at all. Mm, but I think if we go into things with pure intent, Bill, and not really, um, you know, thinking constantly about what it's going to do for me, but it's a, a much purer intent of I need to find the answers and solutions which in turn will help so many others to do the same, then I think it, it has, as I said, a whole different energy around it, which is fabulous. So I take it then that I know there's a quote on your website that says, making this movie changed my life. So... You, it obviously has changed your life, Bill. Is it just in the making of the movie or has it changed your life in a much bigger way? I've changed my life fundamentally. Um, the, the quote is, making this, making this film change my life, watching it could change yours. Yeah. And, and, that's, um, and both of those things have happened. Um, I, I started out, as I said, with... Um, Without any knowledge, without any kind of any sort of psychic abilities or anything like that, I just I came at it as an ordinary person. Um, but then I came in contact with these extraordinary people that I that I met in the making of the film, 
people like Carolyn Mace and James Van Prague and Paul Selig and, and you know, the, His Holiness at, at this place in India. I mean, he really is kind of like the Hindu equivalent of the Dalai Lama. Mm. When you spend time with these people, I became friends with many of them. And it changes you because you start to realize that the world as you thought, well, as I thought I knew it, is not the real world. You know, it's only, it's only an approximation of things, of realms that are out there that are much larger than, than I had any comprehension of. And I, you know, I, I just, um, and a lot of, you know, I've got to say, Geraldine, a lot of this happened sort of towards, it didn't happen like straight away. I, I spent three years filming, and then I spent a further two years editing. And a lot of the changes within me came, in fact, during the editing process, where I was able to go backwards and forwards over what people had said, and I was able to really think about it. And one of the really important things um, that I thought about over a long period of time, Carolyn Mace, who is one of the top intuitive, medical intuitives, in the, probably arguably the top medical intuitive in the world, she said to me in the interview, um, what's a bad thing? How do you know something is a bad thing? And I thought about that, and I thought, bloody hell, she's right. You know, mm. things, things that we think are disastrous or tragic at the time end up, when, when you look back on them with a level of, um, of um, perspective of time, you look back on them and you think, crikey, that ended up, in fact, being the best thing that could have happened to me. And at the time, you thought, you thought it was a disaster or, you know, something that was really horrible. Um, you know, so... So I was able to really consider very deeply a lot of what these people, these very, very wise people had told me. You see, look, I ended up shooting 120 hours of material. And I, mm. I used less than 90 in the movie. But I became, I, I, I was sort of influenced by a whole lot more than was even in the film. But I've got to say, you don't need to make a film to make the changes that I've made. All you need to do is to start to acknowledge that intuition exists, be willing to work with it, and then trust that it does, in fact, work and that it can benefit the choices that you make in life. And I think you've nailed it there, Bill, because I absolutely loved um, everyone. I've seen the movie that Bill has made, and it's absolutely brilliant. You Look, I don't care what you do. You have to get your hands on this movie or watch it or whatever, and I'll give you or I'll get Bill, you know, in the next segment to give you um, details of where to um, see this movie, to view the movie or to purchase it or whatever. But within the movie, uh, Bill gives um, a five-step process in learning to connect to your intuition and use it. And I, I think Bill has just nailed it there where he said it's, the, it's all about the trust. It's the trusting what comes, um, and that's what trips, trips us up a little. Would you agree, Bill? Oh, absolutely. Trust is a huge, huge issue. I mean, mm. um, you see, I mean, go, going back, I, I mean, number one, I think, I think people have to, you see, one of the things that I say in this film is that intuition is as legitimate a functioning system in our body 
as other systems like our circulatory system or our digestive system or our central nervous system and so forth. It is a legitimate system. It's just that it works energetically. And because it works energetically, scientists can't measure it. And if scientists can't measure something or quantify something, then they say it doesn't exist. But it does exist because we know it exists. We've, we've all had gut feelings. We've all had a heart sense of, of what is right and what is wrong and what we should do. This is not conscience. This is intuition, which is a different, different, totally different from conscience. Uh, you know. Um, mm, yeah. You know, and 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 so um, and fear kicks in. Fear absolutely annihilates that trust that we need to move forward. Um, most of us live in fear most of our lives, and if we can step beyond fear and get to the point of trust where we trust that gut feeling, we trust that sense of knowing, you know, we trust that intuitive impulse, whatever it is, then, then we can start to access this system, which I call the personal guidance system, which is available to us all. And how yeah. it's very, very simple. It helps us make the right choices in life. And, and I, I think too, Bill, that, that fear is really the only way we're going to truly free ourselves is that fear is learning about who we really are and how we operate within this universe. And once we really discover that, then we can get rid of the fear and move forward in our lives. But um, the trust is such, I mean, trust is such a big word when it comes to, particularly to intuition, trusting that one word, because spirit speaks in very small language, well, I find anyway, and if we don't trust that first thing that comes, then we kind of lose our way a little bit and we start to doubt and that's where the fear steps in as well. Bill, we're coming coming into break again now. Um, after the break, I would really love to hear how you use intuition on a personal level. You know, do you hear, do you see, do you, what is it for you? And I'm sure the listeners would love to hear about that too. And anything else, of course, that you'd like to share with us <laughs> about the movie. But everyone, we're coming back very shortly, so please hang tight because I know we're into the last segment, but I know Bill still has wonderful things to share with us and um, we don't want to miss a word. Best-selling author, musician, and life coach, Geraldine Tegelov will return after this short break. It's A new study finds the happiest couples sleep the closest together, as in less than an inch apart. A survey of 1,000 couples found that 86% of those who kept such close perimeters reported they were satisfied with their relationship. Only 66% of couples who slept 30 inches apart or more reported being completely happy in their marriage. What's the word for getting up on the wrong side of the bed? Metutalipia. Another predictor of relationship happiness is touch. While 94% of couples who made physical contact throughout the night reported a happy relationship, just 68% of couples who kept their distance did the same. What's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? 
hypnopompic. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Researchers report that most people living in the slimmest cities in the United States said that they exercise on a regular basis and eat healthy, low-calorie foods. They also frequently eat fruit and vegetables. In fact, half or more of the residents in all the least obese cities report exercising for at least 30 minutes, three or more days a week. That's in sharp contrast to the nation's 10 most obese cities, where in all but one, less than half of the residents report exercising that much. Smoking rates were also lower than the national average in all of the least obese metropolitan areas. So regardless of where you live, keep those healthy habits of daily exercise and low-calorie eating to stay slim and healthy. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back as Geraldine Tegelov continues to guide us through the three R's, the processes of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding a happy and successful life. Here is host and life coach, Dr. Geraldine Tegelov. Woohoo! We are back and you are listening to Geraldine on Geraldine Tegelov Live. Now, before we go any further with our chatting to Bill, um, Bill, I really love you to tell the listeners how they can see this fabulous movie or buy it or rent it or just whatever. And, you know, really, everyone, may I suggest that whatever you have to do, as I said before, to see this, just do it because it is just a fabulous, fabulous movie. And you will, I don't care if you've been growing your spirituality for 10 years or 20 years or whatever. As you know, as a spiritual being, we are constantly growing and becoming. And so regardless whether you think you know it all or not, this movie will grow you in bigger and better ways. It is just fantastic. So, Bill, how do we do this? How do we go about it? Look, at at the moment, uh, Jordan, thank you for that. At the moment, uh, we're, we're doing what we call pop-up screenings. We're doing this in the U.S. and in Australia. Um, these are the only countries we're doing it at the moment. Um, and what that, what that means is that if somebody contacts us and says, we want to host the movie, um, we put them in touch with our distributors. Um, the distributor organizes the cinema. There's no cost at all involved to the person who's hosting. All they have to do is get the minimum number, minimum number of people required to buy tickets beforehand to make the screening happen. Um, and the best way to do that, probably the easiest way, is just to get onto our website, pgsthemovie.com, um, and then all, all of the instructions are from there. The film will be coming out online, again, off our website at uh, the end of September, but between now and then... Um, the only way to do it is through these pop-up screenings. Now, I've got to say, the collective experience of seeing this movie in a cinema is having a really quite a profound and deep impact on a lot of people. The film has been made for cinema. It is a, a broad, you know, really quite a beautiful-looking film, apart from the, you know, the, the content. Um, so hosting a film, hosting the film for a cinema screening is really worthwhile, and the people who do host it get a lot, a lot out of it, a lot personally out of it. 
Um, I'm also doing a book, Geraldine. I've, I've written a book, uh, which is with the publishers at the moment. That's going to be coming out in September as well. Um, and the book is the book of the film, but it expands on the film. So there's a whole lot that I've learned that I wasn't able to get into the film that I had been able to put into the book. And so the book is going to be on sale soon as well. Oh, that's fantastic, Bill. I was about to ask that because quite often, as we all know, you know, even um, uh, when you produce something, you people are looking for more, you know, but, but what about this or were there more details associated with that particular point? So a book would be fantastic too to go alongside the movie. So everyone... I suggest that you go to www.peter, and it's P for Peter, G for Geraldine, S for Snake, or what, Silly, or Sensible, or whatever you want, themovie.com. So pgsthemovie.com. That's where you need to go to find out all the information you need about uh, booking a viewing or um, eventually being able to buy the book and the movie online. So fabulous, fabulous way to go. And I do strongly urge you to take part in this. Now, Bill, I know the last segment goes so quickly, but I, I we were talking just before the break about, you know, trusting in what comes, that first word or that first, you know, whatever it might be. Um, do you have a personal way of intuiting things or, you know, what is it for you? Obviously, the voice is big, but are there other things as well? Yeah, look, one of the reasons why I call the film Personal Guidance System is that I've learned that intuition um, is what I call um, bes bespoke uh, mystical messaging. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it connects with everybody in a different kind of way, you know. So with some people it could be a gut feeling, with other people it's a sense of knowing, or some people connect through the heart, and some people connect, you know, through their um, through their crown chakra and so forth. And and for me it is it is a sense of knowing. And one of the things that I picked up during the making of the film was this um, notion of first thought, best thought. Our first thought is our intuitive thought, and it is the thought that comes out of left field. Um, often it's the wild, crazy thought, and immediately most people dismiss the first thought as being, no, I can't do that, that's just silly, you know, that, that's just a silly thought. And then what happens is the second thought comes in, and that's, that second thought is the product of common sense, best practice, intellect, rational thinking, um, you know, all of those things. Um, and most of us, most of us grasp the second thought because we dismiss that first thought, our intuitive thought, as being too left field, too wacky, too wild to even contemplate. But the thing about that first thought is that that first thought is our thought that comes from guidance. It's a thought that is going to lead to expansion, creativity, originality, freshness, um, all of those things. It's going. I mean, it's scary because oftentimes it requires us to go down paths that are unknown. And because of that, because we we're asked to go down these unknown paths, these wild and <laughs> treacherous, yes. treacherous paths, we dismiss it. And so we go to the safe option, which is our, you know, our intellect thought. But 
the thing about the first thought is that it will lead to expansion and it will lead to discovery, whereas the second thought, which is the product of our intellect, will by definition only take us, it will only draw from things that are known, that are known to us, that are safe to us. And so it will always keep us limited, it will keep us contracted, it will keep us small, whereas our first thought um, goes to limitless, boundless possibilities. And that's our intuitive thought, the first thought. And so to, ask, to answer your question about what I do now, I always trust my first thought. And in fact, I've got to the point now where I, I don't even go through a checks and balances process anymore and think, well, should I trust my thought, first thought? I just, my first thought, I just grab it and I run with it. I don't even think about it. Fantastic, Bill. Wow, that is just brilliant. I know um, doing readings for people, sometimes, you know, the first, as you call it, the first thought that pops in and you think, I can't tell that to that person. And yet I know that if I don't, I could be missing that amazing opportunity for that person who understands that first thought way more than I do. And and it's always the case. So, yes, trusting first thought, I... um, quite understand it's just fabulous so bill the movie um has certainly changed the way you do things the way you approach your life now obviously do you find yourself uh, sometimes slipping back to old ways or are you now firmly entrenched in your new approach to life well you know it's interesting Geraldine, because during the making of the film i i did I did have times where I doubted and I did slip into fear. And what I noticed was that when I did, everything stopped. Um, it was really, really interesting. Um, you know, I, I would, there'd be times when I'd think, you know, this is crazy, Bill, you know, you, you, what, what is this? What are you doing? Um, and, I, and I would doubt. And as soon as I doubt, doubted, everything closed down, everything shut down. I could almost feel it physically within me. And then fear would just jump in and was sort of created that vacuum where fear just sort of jumped in and took over. And I had to then go through a process of, you know, really deep self-analysis to say, no, hold on a second, get out of here, fear. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. I've, 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 got to, I've got to take, I've got to um, trust once again in what has brought me to this point, which is guidance. I've got to trust in guidance and allow that to work through. See, one of the other things, too, is that most of us are very impatient. I know I used to be really impatient, and I've now started to realize that there is such a thing as divine timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, particularly when you're dealing with um, intuition, things don't work to your predetermined schedules. Um, and and this really does this really does force you to kind of to really trust because you think, well, no, I want this to happen now. I need this to happen now. But in fact, what I've realized is that is the guidance has a much bigger overview than you have. And this is what's stated clearly in the film that, um, you know, that there is, that intuition is an overview and it can see all of the connections that are down the track. You can't see them, you know, from your limited perspective, but, but your guidance can. And so divine timing is a very important aspect of this whole thing, of trusting in that and not being, not being impatient, just waiting for things to unfold as they should 
in their own timing. Yeah, and that's a, I, I understand completely, Bill. That's a big one for all of us to really trust that divine timing because I'm a bit like you. I get a bit impatient and I want it now, you know, or yesterday would be even better. Um, and I've had to learn too that for good things to come about, sometimes, you know, the universe has to work its little way into lots of um, people, places, circumstances, events, and then finally it comes out in the most beautiful way, magical way, as I would call it. Um, and the outcome is way beyond we first imagined it could ever possibly be. Bill, I've just loved having you today, and I really want to thank you so much for your sharing of this movie and your uh, process going through it and even to share with us uh, your personal aspects around this. It's been absolutely fantastic. So I really want to thank you. Well, no, thank you, Jordan. Thank you. I've, I've, um, um, you got me on my favourite subject, so I can... Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's a pleasure. Everyone, don't forget, uh, pgsthemovie.com. That's where you'll find Bill and lots more about the movie. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. And, yes, I'm now back on air, so we'll be back into it again, everyone. Have a fabulous week. I, uh, I just want to wish you all a million blessings of happiness, love, and peace. Have uh, a fabulous week intuiting your life. <laughs> and bye for now. Geraldine will be back next week with more life-changing ideas to share. In the meantime, you can visit her at www.geraldinetegelove.com to check out her fabulous new products and her workshops. Remember that all Geraldine's radio shows are available on iTunes free of charge. So why not?